Good evening, everybody. We are here, 17th of October, 37th? Yeah, 37th Q&A. 37th Q&A. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we are ready. You can start with prayer. Yeah. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this evening. Thank you, Lord. Father, uh, for this time that you've given us, blessed us with. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, animate us, O Lord. Father, Perfect the gifts that you've given to us. Keep us from error and Lord grant us wisdom. Father, to be able to voice your heart this evening, O Lord. Commit all of us who are here or online into your hands. Anoint all of us, O Lord. And enable us, Lord Father, to receive your word, Father, with meekness. Thank you, Father. Commit this time into your hands. Be with your servant even as he, Father, answers. I pray that you touch him, O Lord. Pray, Father, for prepared hearts and prepared minds. Thank you, Father, for this time. We commit this entire session into your hands. Be with the internet, O Lord, and all the other equipment, O Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus. We bind every power of darkness of the, the prince of the power of the air and release this time for the glory of God. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> we were having uh, internet issues. It's kind of resolved. But please pray. Because it's again thundering outside. We are hoping it doesn't rain again. So Pastor Vijay, we have some really tough questions. Even I'm slightly distinct about how to answer it and the nature of the questions. But we will deal with it. But we'll deal with some of the uh, simpler, lighter questions. Lighter, I mean, lighter questions. Yeah, this is question number 10. Uh, It says, uh, we are seeing a rising craze about veganism in the present day. There have been various protests and movements about animal abuse and most of them are recorded in the West. There are people, example Joey Carpstrong, who are militant about giving up all animal products and meats and adopting a completely vegan lifestyle. They accuse others as murderers, lacking ethics and extremely selfish and devoid of any love as to take another life to satisfy their taste buds and desires. They argue that animals are not meant to be abused and killed but have their right to live just as humans have and the persons who make them suffer are not good and lack respect for another being's life. This seems to be reasonable at the surface level and there are a lot of videos out there that captures abused animals going through trauma during the slaughtering process. I get a, I get asked from vegetarian friends how I have, to, I have no guilt in eating the meat of animal that is killed and isn't that sinful. I don't know how to answer because they don't know what the Bible says about the creation and the supremacy of the human race. How can I reasonably answer an unbelieving individual that we don't sin by making the animal go through agony and taking its life for its meat and other uses? So this question is for a Christian who has to answer a non-Christian, primarily, especially like a setting in India. The animal abuse is not just this in the West, it's everywhere. I mean... It's there everywhere. I mean, we have to, there are two parts about it. One is the abuse part of it. The other part is the killing part of it. But the simple question we have to ask is, uh, how do you define life? How do you define life? How do you define life? The simple question, I mean, when I talk to non-believing Hindu friends, the simple question I ask them is, uh, am I the yardstick of life? Like the Bible talks about, I mean, I, I mean, we'll go back to scripture, but just to put the context in, so that we will know 
what God is talking about. If you go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28 and 29 and 30. Right? God blessed them and God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. As they have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth, every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food and to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, have given every green herb for food and it was so. So if you look at it over there, there are three things that I mentioned primarily over there, four things. There is the fish, the birds, the bees and the herbs. Now you have to ask this question, do you believe plants have life or not? Yes. Because they don't cry. Hmm. They don't cry, that does not mean they don't have life. The, the life structure of the way the life of the plant is nothing different from that of an animal. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. The processes, they actually have the same reproductive process of the pollination, everything, the seed, and it grows. And then the whole question is, if you're going to apply selectively to one species and not to the others, and if you apply it to everything, then you and I will die in a week's time. Mm-hmm. Die in a week's time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is all basically an emotional argument. I understand the part of the abuse part of it. No, abuse part is because very commercialized and there should be a way of um, doing it. But uh, this, when they talk about animals alone, animals alone, and then the question to my non-believing vegetarian friends is that, uh, what do you do with the cockroaches in your house? It too has life. You pluck one of its limbs off and you will see it, it, it's struggling. What do you do about the mosquitoes? You think they don't have life? So your your issue is with eating. Your issue is with eating. Okay, your issue is with eating. But the problem is life and death. It's a part of the cycle. It's a part of the cycle. So we are very specific about what we kill and what we don't kill if you are not a meat eater. So certain things are okay if you kill them. But certain things are not okay if you kill them. So you have to be, if you have to have a rule, the rule should apply to everything. You shouldn't kill plants because when you, that's what basically you do. When you harvest, you're killing a plant, right? And then you shouldn't be killing any of the insects around. Any of those things you should not be, you know. You should try to be very kind to the rats in your house and the mosquitoes that come to bite you. I mean, you have to put it across. It's all life. It is all life. You can't be selective and say, because I love the sheep. Or I love this. Okay, that is uh, abuse. Okay, I haven't seen any vegetarian shoo away the mosquito yet. He also kills it. He also buys that mosquito bat. So if you have to apply it that way, it is okay. Okay, because because you know I've, because I I, I uh, lived in a country which is Buddhist. Okay, in a Buddhist country, and you know they are the most the Jains and the Buddhists more than anybody else are the most this thing. So sometimes in the cab when I used to go to work, I see this fellow driving like this on an empty road and I was asking what's the problem. He says, no, I saw a bug over there. 
I say in the process of saving the bug, you and I will go across the mountain. We both will die. Just please drive straight. Because it's a steep, this thing. And the problem is, if you actually go to those places, they eat more meat hmm. than anybody else. They eat more meat. There's one month in that country where you uh, where you are not supposed to uh, kill. So there's no meat available in the market. One month every year is the month. But you have to see the amount of meat that is sold before that month. Hmm. Everybody freezes it and stocks it. Okay. And I know right from my childhood days, what they used to do is that they used to tie their cattle if they have to eat meat on the steep side of a hill by evening, definitely it will slip and fall and die. So they can say, Did, I didn't kill it. And then they would butcher it. Okay, so I'm talking about, you can't have these rules like this. You can't have rules like that. If you have to apply it, we have to because, okay, so what do you do about, uh, are you going to make a law against the wild animals who eat animals? Okay, so you have to, you have to look at it that way. Yes, humanity eats meat. And you cannot impose your views on somebody else. And you cannot, you cannot even go vegetarian. Because every plant has life. Every, it was an Indian scientist called Bose who actually measured the pain of a plant when it is being plucked. He actually measured, it. his name was Bose. Yes, he's a biologist from Yeah, biologist from, from IRC. Okay, science. science. Right. He says even the plants feel the pain. Okay, so life and death is a part of it. So you cannot make arguments that everybody should go, uh, vegetarian. It simply does the logic does not apply. It's simply because we do not see the pain of a plant. The plants too, if you cut it, it bleeds. Only thing is blood is not red. Mm. It bleeds. It bleeds. You want to look at it and it stops and it dies in a few hours. It starts, life starts going. In a couple of days, it is gone. Mm. Dried and gone. Exactly the same way the animal goes. It also becomes dust onto Dust hmm. it goes. So it's a life is life. So you cannot make rules like that. So that's the way you have to turn it around and tell them how God has put the human race, why it is different with humans and the others, and that God breathed his spirit into us. That is where we are different from the animals. Animals are not made in the image of God. We hmm. are. And animals when you when they die, they just disappear. They just disappear. Yes, we should be compassionate to animals. We should be very careful about slaughtering. How do we slaughter them? How we butcher them and all? I mean, we don't have to be unnecessarily let them go through agony and all. No, those things, yes, because that's a part of the compassionate nature of, of, of person. No, we also teach that. No, no we don't allow uh, children to beat up dogs and abuse cats and all. You shouldn't do that. That's part of abuse. Okay, we shouldn't do that because they will take it further into life and become an abusive person. So that's where we have to be careful about. But the other part about eating meat, you know, it is sanctioned. Whether we kill it or not, meat will be eaten. By somebody will eat it. It will be eaten. It will happen. <laughs> it has been happening for 6,000 years. So you cannot stop it. And Hindus who say Hindus are vegetarians haven't read their Vedas. Hindus were on vegetarians. All the yagas they did, they all the yag, all the sacrifices, the entire one entire Veda is about killing and sacrificing mm. animals. Yajur Veda, right? Yes. So okay. everybody ate. 
Everybody ate meat. So yes, Pastor Vijay. So we have several um, biblical, I mean, uh, theological questions. Uh, would you want to take them, or would you want to go to the? We'll, we'll go look at one theological question okay. and then go to some of those difficult ones. So, uh, question number five says, why did Jesus make salvation so difficult? Matthew chapter seven verses thirteen to fourteen. Why did Jesus make salvation so difficult? Okay, let's have that. Matthew chapter seven verses thirteen and fourteen. Thirteen and fourteen. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. The question is, did Jesus make it difficult? See, the problem is the minute when we look at that term narrow, we feel prejudiced because we'll say you're a narrow-minded person. Hmm. Like a narrow-minded person or this road is too narrow for my vehicle to come in. Okay, so technically our minds are like prefer broad-minded people and broad roads. Okay, but the problem is here we are talking about salvation. Yes, salvation. If you go to that same chapter, if you look at the context in which Javi goes, if you look at words 7 and 8, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Mm. Knock and it will be open for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be open. So if you look at it in the context of it, Jesus says, the road is narrow, but it's not closed for anybody. Okay, It is not an exclusive club. On the other hand, though the road is narrow, it is open to anyone, everyone who asks salvation receives it. Everyone who seeks the way to the kingdom of God will find it. And everybody who knocks on the door of salvation, it will be open for it. He says there is no restrictions at all. It's not an exclusive club for a certain set of people. It is open to every race, every color, every class. It does not matter who you are. That way, it is the most inclusive road. Anybody can come through that. Anybody can go. So then, anybody can come there. Then when he's talking about, when he says, when you go back there, when he says it is narrow, when he says, verse 13 and 14, or sorry, yeah, 13 and 14, when he says narrow, he says the only way you can come in is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's where it becomes narrow. Hmm. The work of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You have to come into heaven. You have to have put your faith in the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other. Basically, you have to put your trust in what God did for you to get you into heaven than anything you can do to get into heaven. If you try to put your trust in anything you do to get into heaven, you will realize the standard is too high. It's too high. It is too high. But if you put your trust in what God has done, you will see it's very easy. Hmm. It's very easy. That way is what it means it is narrow. Hmm. That is where it says the way is difficult. Because the difficult part of it is not in trusting in Jesus. The difficult part is not in trusting in us. Our our own self. And which is the part which the human soul ends. Hates. Because the entire what 
the pride of humanity is look at our 6,000 years of culture and see what we have done. And then one door alone, all your achievements stop at that door is the door Mm. of salvation. Mm. God says you can do everything possible, but nobody will be qualified enough to enter into heaven. The only way you can enter into heaven is putting your entire trust in the work of somebody. Somebody. And that's our struggle of the fallen man right from childhood. As soon as our children start crawling, doing, not crawling, uh, walking a bit, one of the first words they will learn is that, myself. I don't do it myself. Yes. I do it myself. Mm-hmm. I do it myself. Mm-hmm. And God says, you can do everything yourself except salvation. Nobody can come in. That is the problem. Mm. While that wide gate allows every kind of human effort. That's our issue with the wide gate. The wide gate allows every kind of human effort. We can. Every idea, every human effort, everything is allowed in the wide gate. In the narrow gate, it all stops. And the narrow gate leads it to a very difficult way. Hmm. Difficult way. Not only do you have to start by putting your entire trust in the work of Jesus Christ, after that, every day you have to trust in the life of Jesus Christ by faith. That's why it says by faith unto faith to faith. It narrow does not mean exclusive. No. It's the most, heaven will be the most inclusive club in the world. When we reach there, the Bible says every language, every type, every race, every, I mean, think about it. Normally, if you are a religious person of any religion, who would want a beggar who's been living with the dogs who is stinking, who's got swords from head to toe into your house. Who wants him? Who wants that fellow to live with you forever? Hmm. Who wants him? Only God. And his name is Lazarus. And Bible does not say he was sent in the corners of heaven. The term used is Abraham's bosom. (coughs) The term is used is Abraham's bosom. Okay. And that's an incredible picture who take a hard-dent criminal, probably a murderer, rebel, whatever he did, is being crucified on one side, and he's aggressive even at the point of death, then turns around and sees Jesus' gentle demeanor, puts his trust in him, and Jesus says, you shall be with me in paradise today. Who would want this fellow in your house? We wouldn't get a criminal into our house. We will say, no way, Jose, take your whatever and go. I can't, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Okay, look at the two, just two pictures over it. Just two pictures of those who came in. Now, who'd go all the way to just to get a Samaritan woman who has lived a loose life, five husbands, living with the sixth one, to give her the gospel so she'd put her trust in him and get her into the kingdom. This is what it means. Narrow in the sense does not mean exclusive. It is incredibly inclusive. Anybody can get in, but the only condition is this. There is no other name other than the name of Jesus. There is no other mediator between God and man other than Jesus Christ. And there is only one way and Jesus is the way. Jesus is not showing the way. Jesus is not a teacher. He is a teacher, but that is secondary. He is a savior. He saves us. That's why uh, the way looks 
what other question? Yeah. Why is it making? It's not making it difficult. Actually, if you look at it, he has made it very easy. It's our pride exactly. that makes it difficult. Yes. It's very easy for the humble person. Very humble. Everything God is basically doing in our life, including our floods here, is to make us humble and cry out, Lord, helps me. Help me, Lord. We see the fragility of life everywhere. Oh, Lord, please, Lord. No? Please, you see the righteous perishing, the unrighteous perishing, all been washed away by the flood. Okay, and then God is saying, you know what? You don't have to worry about the next second death. You don't have to worry. Put your trust in me. I did not make it exclusive. I made it very, very easy for every human being to come into heaven. Put your trust in my son. Keep on putting your trust in him all the way till the end. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So could we look at question seven therefore? It says, where was Jesus for three days? And seven, where was Jesus, Jesus for three, three days, days and, and three, three nights? nights yes, three days and, and three, three nights. nights. Okay, for all those of you who think Jesus died on Good Friday, <laughs> I'm sorry to upset your apple cart. <laughs> because Jesus said, one sign I give you. That's the sign of Jonah. Three days and three nights, the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth, like Jonah was in this. So it is three days and three nights. So please remember if he died on Friday night and Saturday night, uh oh, only two nights. And Friday and Saturday, uh oh, only two days. Hmm. Okay, so three days and three nights. Because these are questions you have to answer because uh, these are questions Muslims ask Christians. Your Bible says three days and three nights and why do you celebrate Good Friday? They have no answer. The answer is, it is not a good Friday. It was three days and three nights. So where was Jesus for three days and three nights? We will have to look at scripture. Okay, let me give you scriptural answers. One thing we know, it's a body that dies. The soul, the spirit does not die. We know Lazarus' soul did not die. Neither did the rich man's soul die. Both were immediately taken. One had a welcoming ceremony by the angels, bore him to Abraham's bosom. The demons took him to the place of torment. Okay, so we know the soul doesn't die, spirit doesn't die. Peter gives us an idea where he went. In First Peter chapter 3 and verse 19. Okay, chapter 3 verse 19. By whom also, that's meaning by the Holy Spirit also, he went and preached to the spirits in prison. That term priest, it does not mean priest. It actually means made a proclamation. To the spirits in prison. The question is spirits in the prison. That's the question, okay? Where did he go? He went to some place where spirits are in prison. So the question is, who are these imprisoned spirits? Okay. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 31, Acts chapter 2 and verse 31, Peter, under the anointing, he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades. Okay. Now the term used there is Hades. Hades is the realm of the dead. Hmm. Nor did his flesh see corruption. Okay. Hades is, is not that prison where spirits are imprisoned. Okay, that is called Hades. We know in in just the one which I talked about, about Lazarus and the rich man, in Luke 23, 43, you know there is this realm of the dead. 
and it is divided into two. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Mm. Okay, Jesus is talking about, so we know three days, three nights. We know one place he went, he went to paradise. Paradise was the realm of the righteous dead who had believed by faith in the coming work of Jesus Christ from righteous Abel onwards. I'm not including Adam and Eve because I don't know where they went. But I believe they made it. They, they believed. I made. I, I believe they are there. But I'm talking about because Hebrews 11 only talks from Abel onwards. So you no, know, Adam onwards. If you look at all the righteous ones went into the realm of the dead. That place is called paradise. And then there is the other place also. There is a gulf between these two. Lazarus says. The rich man says. Another place is a place of torment. Now in that torment, actually that man is not talking about flames. Not talking about flames. He's only talking about thirst. Mm. Only talking about thirst. He doesn't say, I am burning. Let's just say, I am burning over here. He no. doesn't say any of Sorry. those things. So we do not know what is. It's more looks like a holding area until the final judgment and the lake of fire they go into. So the Bible says, he went to a place where the spirits were imprisoned. If it is spirits, which is angelic beings, spirits, then it cannot be a message of salvation. Mm -hmm. Because spirits cannot be saved. Yes, And it cannot be the other ones also, because the Bible says it is appointed to everyone to die once, and after that it is judgment. judgment. So if you go to First Peter chapter 3, verse 20, 3.20 Who formerly were disobedience when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. So it is connected with the time before Noah's time, till Noah's time. They were disobedient. But we know all the angelic beings were disobedient. Mm -hmm. But the Bible doesn't say all of them are imprisoned. Yes. So one set of them till the time of Noah one set of them were disobedient in some way and they were imprisoned. Okay, they were imprisoned. And Jude 1, 6 talks about one set of these spirits, why they were imprisoned. We know even in the book of Job, Satan is wandering around wherever Jesus went, demons are all around. Okay, so they are not imprisoned. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, God had even the fallen angels were given proper domain by God, where you are not supposed to encroach, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. Yes. So there is one set of angels who have been imprisoned. They are not free. Who are these? It is connected again with Noah's time. So you will see in Genesis 6 talks about the so we come back to that, we look over there, you will see God reserved these sons of God who went into the daughters of men and created what is called Nephilim. So there are certain categories of angels who are imprisoned. If you go to Revelation chapter 9, mm. verse 1 to 3 and then 7 to 11, okay, Revelation chapter 9. Verses 1. The fifth angel sounded, I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Mm. Yes, quickly. 
He opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like a smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth and to them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. Mm. Okay, so these are demonic beings. Now if you go from 7 to 11, you will see how they look also like. Okay, in those days, yeah, the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On the heads were crowns of something like gold. Their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. Mm. These are demonic entities who were imprisoned for centuries. But during the tribulation time, they will be released. They'll be released. They had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. Okay, so you will see there are demonic entities which are, if you look at words 14 and 15 again of the same words, another set of angels are going to be released who are imprisoned. Saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year was released to kill a third of the mankind. Mm. So four, these are four, I believe, mighty angels before the fall. We don't know what they did. We have no clue about it. They are imprisoned somewhere underneath in in the Middle East, under the Euphrates. Hmm. That is the cradle of civilization where all the battles take place. They are again released. Okay, So there are a lot of demons which are released. So when Bible is talking about about Jesus, if you look at 2 Peter 2.4 also, it talks about uh, angels bound. For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So there's also talking about a set of them who are imprisoned. Okay? This thing. But if you look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, then you will get what Jesus did Mm. in that prison. Having disarmed principalities, powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Where did he do that? In the heavenlies. The second heaven where the demonic Satan's kingdom is, he disarmed all of them and made a public spectacle of them. But what it did is that he had to proclaim their defeat down mm. to the angels, fallen angels who were imprisoned. That is where he's saying, you are done, you are finished, mm. you are defeated, your power is over, you are gone. So he's proclaiming this, that his victory over sin and death and over the demonic realm, he's proclaiming, that's my assumption, in that place. So what did he do in the three days? A lot of stuff he did. He defeated the powers of darkness in the second realm. He, uh, he proclaimed it to the spirits who were bound over there. He emptied paradise. Scripture says he took captivity captive and took them to heaven. Now you don't see souls there. You see souls in heaven. You see souls, the souls cry out from their Lord, how long? You don't see them far away. You see them near God. So he did a lot of things which will be revealed to us in eternity. But what we can understand from what is there in the scripture, this is what Jesus did during the three days. His his victory over the powers of darkness and setting the captives free. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, so, so many mysteries over here which has been, which you don't yeah, have to, we uh, don't. no, no, this, uh, I think we should look at even question 8, Pastor, because it's, because you're talking about the cross. How can the Trinitarian God sustain at the cross when the Father had turned his face away from the Son while he was made sin for us? 
when there has always been a perfect That's one of the secret things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's why the sun sun has been a perfect yeah. unity and oneness between all three persons since eternity past. Did the unity How was- did they do it? We don't know. Only thing I can say is why did they do it to save us? How did the trinity get hmm. this I mean, but you need to realize the trinity uh is not getting divided actually. It only happens I believe for just few minutes or hours on the cross. But I believe the minute Jesus died on the cross, the Trinity is united again. Because he said, I will not let your spirit. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I believe that immediately he is reconnected back in the spirit and he starts triumphing over the powers of darkness. It's when sin, he becomes sin for mankind that is when the father turns his face away. So this is our assumption because Jesus Christ or my father, my father, my, my, why have you forsaken me? And I believe that is only for a very short period of time. But the minute he dies, the work of salvation is done. Mm-hmm. Now it's a battle which we do not know is happening. The whole of second heaven is being demolished by Jesus. It's a war going on and they have no chance at all. Then he goes down and proclaims to the ones who are imprisoned among them and saying, it's over, it is done, it is finished. Mm. Okay, so even that is, it's only for a short while, very, very short while, not for three days and three nights. I don't think so. Yes. <sighs> Pastor, so, uh, are you, do you want to take the next question as well? Yes, we will take some of the difficult the questions. Ones. Okay. So should we take from question number one? Okay, question number one. Okay. We get, by the way, we have some very difficult questions today. We do not know these people. Please understand, because we are on live, live streaming, going all around the world. We do not know these people, which part of the world, where they are, their identities, we do not know. So we don't even have to talk about keeping their identities secret because we do not even know who they are, who they are. So these are, just just comes to us, the mail comes to us. So... Uh, please understand, we do not know who they are, because some of the things, which are questions you're going to hear are terrible questions, uh, queries, heart-wrenching. <laughs> From the age of 20, my brother-in-law would sleep with me and promise to marry me. Now, I would always cover it not to cause problems with his wife, who is my, who was my older sister. She died, but it was when I was not saved. I repented. Have I been forgiven? Do I have to face consequences in the future? Okay. I'll go to question number three also. I covet married men. Why is that such a nagging feeling? It's wrong. I break it, it comes back. All my family from my great-grandmother have had affairs with married men. Please help me. As if wife prayed, I hate it in my life. I'll read question four too. Is it wrong to wish all the pimps were dead as we are all hurting because of them in our lives? I was kidnapped. My parents were killed. I'm 28 years old. Should I pray and ask God to kill them? I'm hurting badly. Today your wife prayed and I could not stop crying. The pimps are alive and they're still doing the same thing to other women who are teenagers. I know this. I'll read question six also. We'll just do this step by step. It's all kind like I was used and I was used to murder eight men. 
who were our pimps, but nobody knows. Do I have to turn myself into the law and admit I did it? What would you suggest? That's my question. Your wife's prayer hit me hard. I'm still shaking. I can only see the men who abuse me, their faces. I'm trembling. I trust you will not turn me into the authorities. I have trust issues. I do not know even who the person is or where the person is. So there's no turning anybody. Then there was one more question. I think that's a hard question. Oh, there was one more question. Is it question number two? Question... No, no, not question number two. There's one more question. I hope I didn't delete it. We are all horrible sinners. I would sell women to other men. When your wife prayed today, I was set free, but I have not confessed to the other guys where I used my influence and sold their wives. These wives are dead, but the men are alive. Do I have to confess to them? I'm afraid. What do I do? not giving you further details. Do I have to go to them and ask for mercy? I am scared, really afraid. They may just cut my head off. I only got saved a month ago through this channel. So we are looking at, <laughs> looking at, so, so all those who are part of this ministry in coming here early, please remember, you have no clue what God is doing. People who would never ever think would be touched, would never ever think would be saved. Where, no, God is doing an awesome work. So first let me tell you about this, about, first let's go step by step. Mm-hmm. Because all these are in so many ways related. One of the first things which I want to talk to all of you who are listening is we are very selective about sin. Jesus did not come to save us of individual sins. Jesus came to save us from sin. Mm. Okay, Some of the sins we have heard are terrible. Terrible because of the trauma it causes. But you could be a very nice guy who didn't do any of these things and die and go to hell. Okay, it is not what you did that causes you to go to hell. It is because you were not saved from your sin nature and were born again by the Spirit of God that takes you to hell. Okay, Jesus came to save us from sin. Not for the sins which we did, to save us from sin. He was the atonement for all sins man has from Adam till the last man. So first you have to look at it that way. Then only you will be able to understand because this constant trauma of people who have gone through and done terrible things, they have repented, but am I forgiven? Am I forgiven? Am I forgiven? Because they are not understanding the concept of salvation. They are not understanding the kind of what is, why is Christianity so different from every other religion? Your trauma is caused by religion. That's what the, the religion, the honest is on you to save yourself. And that's why you can never save yours. It's never enough. It's never. How many more animals do you have to sacrifice? How many more, how much more penance you have to do? How many more good works you have to do till you will be counted good? Nobody knows. It's impossible. 
So Jesus came to break that. The only purpose of the law was to point us, you know, to Christ and to show us what sin is and what sin is not. So the first thing I want you to do is to show you that part. Okay. Once you have genuinely repented and gone to Jesus and confessed, the Bible says you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Your forgiveness is not based on anything you did. You are forgiven because of something somebody did. Let's just think about, uh, let's think about Raj. Okay, let's think Raj is a married man. <laughs> but think about Raj as a small boy. A small boy. And let us say Raj is a small boy who is living near our place. And let us say he comes from a very poor background and he cannot afford to go to school. And I say, hey Raj, what do you do? Why are you not going to school? All the kids are in school. Why are you? He says, no, my father. So I meet his parents and say, can I put this kid to school? And I will take care of his fees and everything. Say I put him, I go to the school, I admit him in the school, and I have paid the fees, everything. Now the question is, every day when he goes to the uh, school gate, does he stop? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my father doesn't have the money. <sighs> he doesn't have to stop. He just walks in every day because somebody else has paid for it. Hallelujah. Mm. Somebody else has paid for it. And you will see the entire academic year, he just goes in. He just goes in and comes out. The thing he has to study. But entry is not blocked by saying, you, you cannot come in because somebody has paid for it. And this is what Jesus did on the cross. Unless we see it, otherwise we will magnify certain sins. That's why we looked at it. How did this man get in? The man on one side of Jesus Christ. How did he get in? How did Lazarus get in? How did these people get in? Because he paid the price. He paid the price. So when the Bible says by faith, it is faith in the death of Jesus. He paid the price for the vilest sinner and the one who has sinned only little. He paid it for both. And everybody has, nobody can pay for their sins. Hmm. It is not possible. There is no way possible. So you will see that uh, if you look at Mark chapter 2, you know four men carry a paralyzed man and bring him over there. And Jesus looks at him and says, you are, you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Okay, you are forgiven. And he forgives. He forgives. And you know this man has sinned. And his sickness, he's paralyzed. We do not know for how long his sickness is actually a result of his sin. All sicknesses are not. In this case, definitely. In John chapter 5 and verse 14, the man who was paralyzed for 38 years, Jesus, pick up your mat, walk. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more. He says, sin no more. And if you come to John chapter 7 and verse 11, this is a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. Right? You know. Of, of, uh, 811. 811. 811. Yeah. 8, not 7, 11, 811. Yeah. So she, so Jesus asked, is there anybody who condemns you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. The Bible is very clear in John chapter 3, verse 16. He says, go and sin no more. Okay? John chapter 3, 16, the most well-known, important words in the Bible, God sent His only because He did not send His Son to condemn us. He sent His Son to save us. So whatever, because I'm putting in the entire spectrum of people over here, men who slept with other women's, uh, uh, other men's wives, women who slept with another woman's husband, uh, 
girls were kidnapped and sold were prostitutes until they escaped and then uh, somebody who killed eight people who were pimps who were selling her body so you have all kinds of people over here but the thing is that what's your way out for everybody it is the same for me you for everybody there is only one way out jesus paid the price and the, the the fact of it is which is difficult to understand is jesus paid the price for both the prostitute and the pimp mm. yes. both for the one who murdered and the one who was murdered he paid the price for both and if any one of them turns repents and looks upon jesus and asks for mercy is forgiven it will be very difficult for us to accept especially if you are the victim you are the one who is going through trauma to see that your tormentor is actually forgiven and is in heaven it could mess up your theology mess up your theology okay mess up your theology because it happened to me right during my young days when i came to the lord some people who got saved and they were terrible abusers and all before the gate but when they get saved and came for the bible study some people just walked up and left and said if that guy is saved i don't want to be part of this bible study I don't want to be because I know what kind of a man he is. Alcoholic used to beat up his wife left, right, center. I mean, if this man is equal to me, then I don't want this way. Wow. <laughs> I don't want this way. It becomes very offensive. That's why Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. A rich man is not a man of wealth alone. It's a man who's very rich in his inner man. He's rich of good works. Mm-hmm. good of ritual that's where the poor the prostitutes all were entering into the kingdom of god and the pharisees stood outside because they did not like his message because their works meant nothing meant nothing so if you look at this whole trauma of people who are going over there to the first question at the age of 20 to that sister i have tell you if you have repented and asked for jesus christ you have been forgiven how can i be forgiven i did this to my sister for so you have been forgiven because he paid the price mm-hmm. you have been paid the price right you have been paid the price just think about like in a case like uh, india a farmer takes a loan it's for 20 lakhs his entire crop fails mm-hmm. he has no money thousands of them commit suicide but a new government comes in and the government says loan waived <laughs> okay now what does he have to do just receive it just receive it right the government paid the loan off okay paid the loan off it's as simple as that how is it possible it's simply possible because that's why jesus died on the cross for that very act so salvation is a very personal thing so to the sister are you forgiven yes you are forgiven will i face consequences in the future i don't know depends mm. we don't know which way the consequence i mean will you personally go consequences you can do a lot of things to see it doesn't go beyond but like you it could pass on has iniquity to your children that's one of the consequences which which hurts us pains us it could go pass on that's one of the way uh, that's one of the actual consequences that could happen it passes on so if you have repented then you cry out to god and say lord let it not pass like you know let it stop with me let it not pass on to this thing we can in so many ways god can stop the consequences if you have learned but they remember the free will of the other person is involved so which way consequences will come 
We do not know. Can it be stopped? Yes and no. The Bible says if you sow in the spirit, you sow in the flesh, you reap in the flesh. But if you have, like we always say, if you don't like the harvest, change the seed. Can I have that, Galatians? Because this is where the consequences part comes. Okay, consequences part comes. Galatians. Six, seven. seven. Yeah. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Okay, everlasting. So there are two sowings. So if you don't like your harvest, change your seed. So what should you do now that God has taken the price? He set you free. Start sowing in the spirit. And one of the most fantastic examples in the Bible, two examples, one from the old, one from the new, is one is Moses, the other is Paul. Mm. Moses was a murderer, so was Paul. And Moses was the greatest man in the Old Testament and Paul is probably the greatest man so far we know in the New Testament. Amen. Not including mm-hmm. Jesus over there. Both were murderers. Both had sowed in the flesh. But both when they encountered God decided we are going to sow in the spirit. Sow in the spirit. Mm-hmm. So that's how you change the consequences. You change it. What the devil meant, that's what Joseph says, what the devil meant for harm, God turned it around for good. And it's in your personal life also, it can happen. You can turn it around. And it actually happens. If you look at it, it actually happens. Even like, you know, if you want to use the case of this child who's 28 years and he was used for sex trafficking, I really believe Mary Magdalene was used. Because you cannot be demon-possessed with seven demons and not be used by all the men. Hmm. All the men. That's what happens. So she was used. And Jesus sets her free. And she is so grateful. And she will follow him wherever he goes, serves him. And she is the first one to whom the message of the resurrection is given. God is not a respecter of persons. He's hmm. not a respecter of persons. Okay, so you have to look at the work of Jesus Christ. You have to look at the work of Jesus Christ. And there is there is no other way. There is no other way. Then let's go to, this is iniquity, where it has been there with my grandmother, my mother, this thing. It is iniquity and you have to break it. It is break it. And you no, know, I would request all of you who send these questions to go back to our webpage. It's called www.gracetabernaclehyd.org to March 2014. Sunday the 16th, I preached a message called Sins, Wounds and Oppressions. Please read it, study, I mean, listen to it a few times. Then you will understand what you need to go through. We all sin, okay? And then continue in it. Our soul gets wounded. Then we open the doorway for the demonic to come in where we are oppressed. And some of you, you are forgiven but you are oppressed. So you will need deliverance. You will need deliverance. Okay, so go through that process. Listen to it and a few times listen to the prayer at the end and believe and the oppressing spirit will go because for sin, I need forgiveness. For wounds, I need healing. Mm -hmm. For oppression, I need deliverance. Okay, I need deliverance. So sometimes... Uh, if we don't have discernment, what we do is that to a wounded man, 
we will shout repent mm. repent that's where the spirit of discernment comes to a wounded man jesus is the balm of gilead okay to the man who is a sinner who has not repented we can't pour the balm of gilead oh let the lord comfort you no he doesn't need comfort he needs that's rebuke yeah. that is where discernment comes and to the oppressed one it is neither repent or balm of gilead you have to address the force that is oppressing and command that one to leave mm-hmm. and leave the person alone okay and then ask the balm of gilead so the wounds left is healed so you have to go through this three process for sin it is repentance for wounds it is healing mm-hmm. and for oppression, uh, oppression mm-hmm. it is deliverance and almost everybody has to go through this three process because everybody goes through something or other and it's a constant process and god heals you and god delivers you and before you know you are able to be and used by god and now suddenly you are the one now god is using to set others free mm. so certain kinds of demons come certain kinds of demons come let me tell you simple simple like that no it is like uh, alcoholics Uh, they like a particular brand of alcohol it is in their taste buds and in their mind in the same way when a demonic entity oppresses you and you start sinning you sin you break the hedge the serpent bites and that one gets in this unclean spirit may be interested in a certain kind of sin so now that becomes your iniquity in this case this sister is interested only in married men okay so that is a particular kind of unclean spirit mm. it is it is generational mm. it is generational iniquity and it's from generation to generation that uh, demons are passing on demons are passing on okay so you have to look at it mm. you have to look at it and command it it will go it will go don't worry about it we have to always believe greater is he that is in me that scripture than he that is in the world that i have behold i have given you power over all the power of the once you have repented and confessed you have to you can command on your own that is the first sign of the new covenant you shall cast out demons Once. these demons have to be cast out and you will be free don't give so much bhav bhav in, in hindi means so much credit to the demons mm. they they have been disarmed they fool you they deceive you and they stay in cast them out they will go okay so that's a particular kind of it then to the question is it wrong to wish all the pimps were dead uh n- yes yes because we don't want the pimps dead we want the pimps saved mm-hmm. pimps saved we had lots of them getting saved in the first years of our ministry online in us and a lots of pimps and prostitute drug pimps all came out and they became wonderful sisters and brothers in the lord not naming names some of them are in ministry they are pastors today mm. okay some of them are pastors one of our pastors so quite incredibly used pastors was in prison for 20 years for murder then he heard sin iniquity translation got saved came out and uh, he was if i'm right he was in that what you call that uh, maximum security yeah. maximum security because in prison if my memory is right after he was sentenced to life one of the his african american one of the white officers did said something it with one blow he killed the officer that's what my understanding that's he's huge he's a giant 
But when he got saved, and he was not even eligible for parole, when he got saved and got baptized by the Holy Spirit, so we, I'm not going to tell you all kinds of this thing. One of our pastors who called, he, he got killed, if I'm right, in Guyana many years ago. He had killed 106 people. Hmm. Had killed 106 people. And then, after 20 or 25 years, he, yeah, we are back. Sorry, we are having problems. Power has gone. Internet is failing. But these are, I think the devil is mad hmm. because these are serious issues. So, Please, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds. So to that question to that sister, is it wrong to pray that all of them should die? No, you should pray, they should save, be saved. Okay, and then they're still doing the same thing. That's why you have to pray, Lord, rescue, Lord, rescue, make a way that these people get saved. Really, seriously, make a way these other young girls are rescued. Okay. Don't jump into it any emotionally because I know how this system works. I've heard lots of stories. It's working, right? Yeah. The pimps will kill you. We had a lot of attacks on a lot of our churches when the, the dear girls were sold into prostitution, get, start getting saved and coming off the streets because it's big business. When one prostitute off the street, the mafia loses their money. So when 10 of them get saved, it runs into hundreds and thousands of dollars. Okay, so they started attacking our churches. But we have to believe God's supernatural protection, everything was there. And so many came out. Pimps got saved. Drug dealers got saved. You have to believe in the last days will be just like Jesus' days. Hmm. This is a... The, what they call the trash of the society as a society named, that's the ones Jesus wants. He wants them. And, uh, right. they really love Jesus. So you as a person, as a victim, should pray. Pray for the others like, and say, Lord, make a way, Lord, make a way, Lord, that they come out, they are saved, they come out and pray, Lord, this will stop, that the pimps' hearts will be touched. You pray. And, uh, don't, don't, uh, pray for Vengeance. The problem with vengeance is that uh, vengeance will kill you. Mm. In Romans 12 and verse 19, I want to tell, let's read from 17 onwards. Romans 12, 17. Be, repay no one evil for evil. What happened to you is evil. Okay? What happened to you is evil. Don't repay evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You pursue peace. And verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You are not negating what happened or what is happening. What God says, you don't take it. There is a difference between vengeance and justice. And God says justice the wheels of justice move slowly. We pray, we do what we can to do, but we are very careful about how you do it because you are dealing with gangs. Vengeance, no. Mm. Vengeance is in the hands of God. And nobody has any idea what the lake of hell or fire is like. That is God's vengeance. So don't worry about it. Any unrepented sinner, he will pay in full for all eternity. Our vengeance is nothing compared to God's vengeance. So leave it alone. Don't even go that route. Don't go that route because God came to save and save everybody. Then it comes to that other question which I... The sixth question. 
I was used to murder eight men who were our pimps. Nobody knows who this person is. Do I have to turn myself to the law and admit I did it? And the other brother who asked, should I go to those men whose wives are all dead now and tell them, I sold your wives. To both of you, I will tell you is, don't jump the gun. You have to be very, very wise about these things. Because what will happen is that your head will get cut off. These are not emotional things. These are things you have to be absolutely led by the spirit. When the spirit says it is time to go, you also need to realize he would have prepared the other person also. But mm. before you go, you circumvent God's time. These are not things which you do in emotion. On the big picture, yes, but not always. You have to be very, very careful about it. Very, very careful about it. Peace with God and peace with... That's why scripture says over there, if you go back to verse 17, yes. what did it say? It says, as far as possible. No, as far as repay no one evil for have regard. If it is possible, as much as depend, live peaceably. Now, you're going to go tell this to somebody. He's not going to be peaceable to you. Hmm. No, he may just take your head off and everything is over. Everything is gone. So wait for God's time. God's time. Wait for God's time and listen to what God says. Listen to what God says and how he, how he deals with it. Okay. But with God, definitely hmm. with God. Even this, this person, no, this person, because we know how crooked the system is. How crooked the system is, the justice system. The whole thing is crooked. I'm not justifying anything that you did, but I see you are traumatized. You have, you're shaking still because of what you have done and you were convicted by the Holy Spirit today. So first make peace with God. You're forgiven. Those were pimps who used you, sold you, abused you, and nobody knows you killed eight of them. And uh, now today you are convicted. What do you do about your act? I would first say, chill. Go to God. Put it right with God. Let him deliver you through your trauma, the process, everything. Otherwise, you go in an impulse, oh, I need to put it right. Go to the authorities. You are arrested. You are sent into prison. They beat you up over there. You go depressed. You will kill yourself. It doesn't work like that. So be very, very careful. Don't do things on emotion. Don't do things on emotion because a lot of things people just look at the letter of the law and do in emotion and it's such a mess after that. Hmm. Mess, mess after that. It's a total mess. Lives get broken. Families get broken. Everything falls apart. We are not covering anything. You're covering if you do not go to God. I'm saying go to God, repent, ask for forgiveness, let God heal you and then listen to what God says, because God will tell you exactly, we have a living God, he will tell you exactly what to do, and uh, do that. Like I said, the questions were difficult today, because it is not easy to answer these kind of questions, because if I give you the wrong counsel, the honest is on me. If I were to tell you, yes, if you kill eight people, you definitely have to go and submit your to the authorities but i don't know exactly the whole situation these were pimps who kidnapped you sold you used you and they're still doing it so <laughs> how do you uh, and uh, another thing which i want to tell you is second corinthians 5:17 
gone am i alive One thing I want all of you, this, this set of questions. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. One of the first things you need to realize is that when you came out of this and came to Christ, when you were rescued off the street or you escaped and came somewhere and you still not have come to Christ, you're still the old creation. You're still the prostitute, the pimp, whatever you are. But when you have come to Christ, you are not that person. Hmm. Or a new creation. All things have passed away. So don't look at you in the light of what you were. Look at yourself in the light who I, who you are in Christ Jesus. Hmm. You are a completely new person. All things have become new. All, all things have passed away. Behold, all. He's giving you exactly a new start. Like if you, some of them are from the Western world, some of the questions are from the Middle East. Let me ask you, if you are an American and you've been arrested for this by the FBI and the president gives you a pardon, hmm. the record is gone. Yes, mm. You received a presidential pardon. Though I don't know, you can you get a presidential pardon for a murder sentence? I, I do not know. But let us say you get a presidential pardon. You are free. You walk away. You walk away free. And your records are erased from the system. There's no more records. You have state governors for state crimes who can give a governor can give a pardon. For a federal, this thing, the president can give a pardon. And this is neither a president nor a governor. This is God mm. who has pardoned you and cleaned your slate. There's absolutely nothing against your record. And start fresh. Then the fact that you broke the law of the land and what you need to do about it, let God give you discernment. He will tell you how to do it, when to do it. He will tell you how to do it. Don't jump the gun. Because if you jump the gun, you may just mess up the whole thing. Whole thing, okay? You, this thing. So don't jump the gun. And pray fast, pray, and uh, let the Spirit of God fill you up. And God will show you exactly what to do. And for the other brother also who sold somebody else's, many people's wives, don't go to them and they just cut your head off. Wait. Just wait. And ask God what you need to do, what you, how you should do it. Let God tell you what to do. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Pastor, question number two is also okay. a tough question. It says, many times I curse myself and just wish I was dead. Please tell me the truth. Have I been forgiven? I do this often. Don't want anything to do with anybody. Struggle with depression and low self-esteem. <laughs> First, stop cursing yourself. Okay, don't curse yourself. And uh, uh, there are two two things you have to do. In the Bible, you will always see there are two things God asks us to do. First, He says, "Stop doing this," and then He will say, "Start doing this." It's not enough to stop doing something. You also have to start doing things. Like Timothy will tell young people, Paul will tell, flee youthful lust and pursue peace, love, righteousness with all those who seek God with a pure conscience. So you have to flee this and pursue that. So for those of you who are cursing yourself, like I said, who are this child is, who are this person is, you need deliverance. Mm. You, this is, this, this is, I mean, psychology will say something else, I mean, but this is basically depression. And this is, I call it demonic oppression. 
the Bible says Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about doing healing every, doing good and healing everyone who was oppressed of the devil. This is oppression. And for oppression, what you need to do is you need the demons cast out. Okay, first you need to put your life right with God. Take a light with God. That's when you start going in. A, and and don't, let me give you two examples in the Bible, okay? First turn me to the first Kings chapter 19. I'll make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Chapter 19. Mm-hmm. One to f- five. He's one of the greatest men in the Old Testament. Like unbelievably anointed man. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. So how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. <laughs> and when he saw that, he rose, ran for his life, went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. die. I want to kill myself. He doesn't want even his servant around. Same decision. I want to be alone. I want to die. I'm no better than my father's. Low esteem, isolation, depression, suicidal thoughts. This is all clinical psychology mm-hmm. in the Bible. Okay, Everything. He's got the whole nine yards. And who is this? Elijah, who stood on Mount Carmel a few days back on the top, confronted all the powers of darkness, and then he flips, and this is where he is. So this dear sister, don't feel bad. Even great men of God has gone through that. Jonah also wanted to die in anger. This man is in depression, that man is anger. He wanted to die. And Ahitophel also went and killed himself. He was fell into depression and committed suicide. So you need to realize this is something that happens to people. Okay, And Jesus came to set us free from this. Okay, So you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Stop cursing yourself. You are forgiven. Now the second thing is solution. After the demons, you have to constantly put your hand on your head and say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I command every spirit of oppression, depression to leave. But that's not enough. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Mm. Hallelujah. Okay. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, which Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. You have to set your mind. You know? You have to set. Our default setting of our mind is on depression. That factory settings has to change. <laughs> you have to change that factory setting. Okay, that is how we were born. Born in sin, sin and uh, shaped in iniquity. We have to change that settings. That settings. That's why the Bible says any man is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. All old settings have gone. He's given you new settings. Think on things that are above. Think, think good thoughts. I will tell you what you need to read to good thoughts is read Revelation 21. One of the most comforting passages for children of God who are going through trauma and gone through trauma. Think about it. Okay, that is. Scripture says the Father Himself will come and wipe your tears. No grief, no sorrow, no pain, forever and ever it's gone. You will be with God, your dad, your real dad, heavenly father, and the company of saints, no presence of sin. No pain, no agony, no trauma, no depression, nothing. It's a two, 21, 22 is beautiful. 
chapters. It will make you feel good. Sometimes like we do when you are tense, when reading a fiction, we read the last page of Hero is Alive. So it's okay. Now I can read without palpitations. Uh, no? It's like that. Okay, Everybody is fine. All who are saved are fine in 21, 22. So you have to deal with this. You have to think on things that are above. Okay, it all. If you go to Second Corinthians chapter ten, no, ten, verse four to six. This is a practical thing. That's why we preach three times a week, four times a week, and we pray three times a week online, so that in the last days, demonic entities, activities at the peak, and people are depressed, discouraged, suicidal, drug addiction, every kind of addiction. And the problem is in our mind. We go kaput in the mind. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Five, casting down arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. No? How can God forgive me? These are all questions. How can I? I am the worst person. I curse my, I just want to die. Even a Solomon went into depression and says, I hate my life. Now, they all went into depression. Okay, they all went to depression. Understand that they all went into <coughs> depression. They all. So here the Bible says, no, that's not true. You have to meditate upon the thoughts of God for you. Which is good. This is how God thinks about me. Okay, that's the only validation you need. Ultimately, in life, you need only the validation of God. And that's what Jesus says. He has never left me. The fact that everybody left Jesus, the Father never left him. Amen. It's when the Father left him, he cried. My father, five father, why have you forsaken me? And the father left him for our sake. Because of us, not because of anything he did. Because he always, the presence of God was there. So you have to look at this and you have to start and uh, it is in Nehemiah. Put on the garment of praise. Okay, you have to do that. I keep telling people constantly, put your headphones on and listen to worship songs and sing along. You have to practice these things. This just doesn't automatically. God says you don't have because you don't pray. Mm. And if you don't pray, you're not going to have. Okay, you're not going to have. Sorry. I'll, I'll give it to you now. This is after the dedication. Okay, he says, uh, 8.10. Okay. They're all grieving because they're looking at the state of the walls and the temple and they're all, you know, depressed, discouraged. He said, hey, hang on. Nehemiah 8.10. He said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portion to those whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And how how does the joy of the Lord come? You have to put it on. You have to sing. You have to sing along. And honestly, try singing for 15 minutes. It goes. Because the spirit of depression cannot stay along with the spirit of praise. They are not roommates. Either one will come, the other will go. You will see as soon as David starts singing and worshipping, the spirit that is oppressing Saul left. Mm. And as soon as he stops singing, that fellow comes back. Because Saul doesn't know how to sing. (laughs) You know? So we all have to learn to praise God. Have to worship God. We all have to learn to pray. You do it, it will go. Mm. The more you do it, you become a vessel of praise. You become a vessel of praise. And then you realize, you know what happens? The demons don't have any place to oppress you. The oppression is lifting like a cloud lifting. It's lifting up. And then you are able to hear God speak. It's like fog. It's like a captain uh, flying through the fog. He has no visibility. 
whether it's because of the fog, because your mind is clouded with depression and depressive thoughts, even if God is so clear, you are not able to see. He's speaking so loudly, you are not able to hear because this is cloudy. And God says, why should I? He's, this is the pattern, God says. This is pattern. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and his courts with praise. Now, it, it is actual picture of a castle or a, of a palace. Okay, What are you looking for? You are looking for an audience with the king. And the Bible says, you enter his gates with praise and go through his with thanksgiving and go through the courts with praise. praise. And then what do you get? You get an audience with the king. Yeah. You get to see the face of the king. And you can put, okay. And that's why Bible says, that's how you need to come. And how can I thank God? Because I've seen the end of the story. I've read the end of the story. So I can thank God by faith. It doesn't matter what happens here. I know what I am there. Hmm. Again, how can I praise? Because the fact is that I am victorious. How can I be victorious? Because Christ is victorious. If Christ is victorious, I am victorious. Because I have only one life, my life in him. So I can praise him. So we thank him in all things. We praise him in all things. We have an audience with the king and clarity comes. And the devil knows that. So what does he do? He oppresses us in our... Oppression is basically in the mind. Mm. It's in the mind. And then you start binge eating and you get into all kind of things. The body starts participating in the depression. because The body cannot stay idle. Mm. So it also starts doing a lot of stuff. So you have to beat it here. And you beat it here by focusing on the word of God, prayer and praise. These three things. You have to open your mouth and speak these things. You have to sing. You have to pray. You have to proclaim. Because life and death is in the power of thee. Give it to them. Proverbs 18.21. Reverse the course. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. If you love death, you will eat that. If you love life, you will eat that. Both is in the tongue. And what comes out of the mouth is what is happening in your mind. So if you change your thinking, it will change your words. Mm-hmm. It will change your words. Man. Okay. If you're going to sing you know, all those mournful, sorrow, sad songs, you know, Shisa Jaisa, Dil Tut Gaya and all that you sing, then you'll also feel depressed. Why am I feeling depressed? Because you're singing that song. That's why you're feeling depressed. On the other hand, you go back to the other songs and see the incredible, no, amazing grace. What a song. Now you sing those songs, meditate upon those words, and you will see your mood lift. But this is spiritual. It's a battle. But if it is not lifting whatever you do, then of course the first is unconfessed sin. The first most important thing is, if there is sin that is unconfessed to God, nothing is going to work. The Holy Spirit will show you. Confess it. He will not condemn you. He says, confess it. Why are you carrying this load when my son has already paid for it? Why do you think you have a debt when he's already paid for it? Just get rid of it. Confess it, the blood of Jesus. Because if you don't confess it, it's standing against you and the power, the enemy is using it against you. So don't allow him to hold into your life. Confess, start thanking God, start praising God. Start proclaiming the word over your life. You are cursing yourself. Start blessing yourself. Start speaking the word of God over your life. This is not true. This is what God says about me. I shall, like we say, whose report shall I believe? Whose report will you believe? 
whose report? I will believe God's report. This is what he says about me. And you will see there is a shift that is taking place. This is a constant practice. You have to practice it. Otherwise, you will go into depression. Elijah also went into depression. Jonah went into depression. All these people, great men of God, went into depression. It's because that was old covenant. The new covenant, we have power over all the power of the enemy. Amen. We'll stop there, Pastor Vijay. Or you Pastor, have any more? One, one last question, Pastor. Oh, one last question. It Vijay. says, is it correct to say that the interactions that God had with his people and the prophets in the Old Testament were through God in the person of the Father? Uh, not necessarily. We, not necessarily. We, we, I believe when there was a physical manifestation, it was Jesus. Jesus, yes. We call it theophany. Yes. The appearances of Jesus before the incarnation like the two angels and the third person who visited Abraham, I believe it was Jesus who yes. came. It was Jesus who came. Jesus is the visible uh, part which the natural man can see. Mm-hmm. Then God gives visions, dreams. He has spoken through his Holy Spirit. He has spoken through audible voices. Yes, the Father has spoken in audible. They work together. They work together. But I do believe when people saw, like I believe, when Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock and God's presence went, the glory that was behind him, I believe it was Jesus, mm. not the Father. And With even Isaiah, when he saw yeah, the yeah, it was Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says no one has seen God. Mm. No one can see God and live. This is the old covenant. So when God is putting a picture of him, which we can handle, is Jesus. Okay, And he actually dulls his glory mm. <laughs> so that our eyes survive. Okay, but it's, it's, it's Jesus. Primarily it is Jesus. Jesus is the manifestation of God to man. But God the Father has spoken. The Holy Spirit has spoken. Elijah is taken up by the Spirit. Okay. So the Spirit is there. The Spirit manifestations are there. Jesus manifestations are there. The Father's manifestation are there. But whenever anybody sees, it is Jesus. The only picture of somebody seeing other than Jesus is John the Baptist seeing the Holy Spirit come like a dove and rest upon Jesus. He sees the Holy Spirit come. But that seems to be just My a spiritual picture, yes, yes. a spiritual entity. I don't think it was a physical dove. Mm. I think it was a, a vision he sees the Holy Spirit descending as... Uh, see, we have all these issues because we are created in the physical. Mm. So we need a physical image. Mm. And we might be very surprised if we see the image of God... <laughs> Until we reach there, we do not really know. To us, I mean, to us, he reveals to us as a human being. I mean, look like a man. We don't know exactly until we go over there, our dimensions are changed. What is he like, the ancient of days? You know? So it talks about it, all that. You know? But I believe all three are there, but primarily God manifests to manif- mankind through his son. Because he took this body through his son. But now he speaks to us through his spirit. Now the main thing is listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's the primary thing. He speaks to us through his spirit. Mm. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Amen. <laughs> Some tough questions. I am not even comfortable with my own answers. Yes, yes exactly. For first time in 37 mm. sessions, some questions I'm not, especially with that eight murder case and all. I don't want to get into that. But I would say don't jump and do anything. I'm just giving you don't. Wait till God tells you. Maybe a time will come when you are ready, absolutely sure, full of the Holy Ghost. God will say, go surrender. And God will change you into a testament. But don't do anything before time. Wait for God. I'm not saying you shouldn't go and acknowledge. Leave it to God. Let him tell you the when of it. He will tell you. 
Amen. Amen. He will tell you. Okay. Father God, we just come to you this evening, Lord. So many troubling, traumatic situations, Lord. So many. None of us would even understand what they have gone through, hmm. Lord. None of us would, Lord. None of us sitting here. We have no clue what this is. We have gone through our own pain, but not abuse, Lord. And trauma, death like this. Hmm. We bring each one of these brothers, sisters to you, Lord. You said, Lord, a smoking flax you will not put off. Yes. A bruised reed you will not break. Mm. You are so kind and tender to the Samaritan woman. To the woman caught in adultery, you said, go, I do not condemn you. Sin no more. I commit all these dear ones into thy hands. And I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I command every oppressing demon, every unclean spirit, Yes. Every spirit of suicide, death to leave now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, mm. for it is written. We bind every power of darkness operating over these dear ones. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we break your power over their lives in Jesus' name. Whether you are one or legion, it does not matter. You have to leave. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We command you to leave now in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, you would fill these dear ones with your Holy Spirit. They will not live their minds, their bodies empty. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Cause them to hunger after you, Lord. That they will start, not tomorrow, now, they will start praising you, giving you thanks, and meditating, praying, crying out to you, Lord. And you will turn their mourning into dancing, Lord. You will turn their life around, Lord. What the enemy meant to destroy them, you will turn it around and make each one of these dear ones into a testimony, Lord. Set them free, Lord. Set them free, Lord. Set them free, Lord. For if any man is in Christ Jesus, woman is in Christ Jesus, he, she is a new creation. Amen. Behold, all things have passed away all things have been made new. Walk in the newness of life. You are a new creation, Christ Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Father. Come with the rest of the church into thy hands. Be with all of us, O oh Lord. Be with your children everywhere, Lord. Tomorrow as we come here, Lord, be with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.